welcome to the Pharmacotherapy Podcast. My name is John Gums. I am a professor of pharmacy and medicine and associate dean at the University of Florida College of Pharmacy. I also serve as a scientific editor for pharmacotherapy. Today, we are talking with Dr. Mark Munger about his team's research on the potential role of misoprostol in NSAID-induced cardiovascular, cerebrovascular, and renal adverse events. Their paper titled, Reduced Risk of NSAID-Induced Adverse Events with Concomitant Use of Misoprostol was published in the July 2022 issue of Pharmacotherapy. Dr. Munger is Professor and Senior Associate Dean for College Affairs at the University of Utah College of Pharmacy. Dr. Munger's co-authors include Scott Nelson, Chi Cheng Tang, Alfred Chung, and Brian Sauer. Dr. Munger, thank you for joining us today and welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, John. So let's get started and just talk a little bit about the paper that was published just last month. Dr. Munger, your study focuses on a class of medications that appreciates a very wide use pattern through both prescription and over-the-counter applications. Given the magnitude of NSAID use in the United States, Please tell us about the implications of your work, specifically focusing on the downstream implications of NSAID-induced adverse events, including both renal and cardiovascular toxicity. Thank you, Dr. Gums, for this opportunity. Population-based studies have shown that non-steroidals are prescribed to over 30 million people in the United States and total around 70 million prescriptions per year. Worldwide, these agents are the most widely prescribed and commonly used agents, with estimates now approaching their common use in over 100 countries. As has been known for decades, non-steroidals increase the risk of gastrointestinal adverse effects. What has been less publicized, however, and not well studied, has been the risk of these agents for serious cardiovascular and renal adverse events. The potential for these severe cardiovascular and renal adverse events is related to inhibition of both COX-1 and COX-2, which can lead to atherogenesis progression, increases in blood pressure, fluid retention, electrolyte disorders, and enhanced sympathetic activity. Acute kidney injury can also occur with non-steroidals within 30 days after non-steroidal initiation and often leads to hospitalizations. In 2005, the FDA required the risk of heart attack and stroke leading to death be required in box warnings and precautions section of the non-steroidal drug labels. In 2015, the box warnings were strengthened, stating that cardiorenal adverse events can occur early in treatment, are associated with higher doses, and increase with duration of treatment. Importantly, clinicians have no direct treatment options other than to advise the patient against their use, reduce the treatment duration, or recommend alternative pain management agents. These data call for the development of treatment strategies that address this important healthcare problem with major public health significance. To this end, we proposed that misoprostol, which is a synthetic prostaglandin analog structurally related to prostaglandin E1, and is indicated for the treatment of non-steroidal induced gastric ulceration, may be able to reduce these non-steroidal cardiorenal adverse effects. Published studies have shown that misoprostol lowers blood pressure, 
increases glomerular filtration rate and renal blood flow in diabetics in an elderly salt sensitive individuals in combination with non-steroidals compared to non-steroidal monotherapy. So we constructed a population-based historical cohort study of US veterans to determine whether the combination of non-steroidal plus misoprostol exhibited a different cardiorenal risk profile versus non-steroidal monotherapy. Mark, thank you. As you just indicated, your study was a population-based open historical cohort trial with the intention to treat analysis conducted in conjunction with the VA informatics and computing infrastructure. Please talk about how you determined your inclusion criteria for the trial and provide our listeners some rationale for why you chose to exclude certain patients, including the requirement to be enrolled in the VA system for at least 365 days prior to the index date of the first date that either the NSAID or the combination of the NSAID plus misoprostol was used? Again, thank you for this question. We enrolled all adults who were greater than the age of 18 years of age, who were US veterans treated at any VA facility between 2005 and 2013. They were enrolled that, that received continuous prescriptions for any non-steroidal and or misoprostol. Patients with a diagnosis of cancer during the one-year baseline period, veterans over the age of 100 years of age or who did not have activity in the VA system for one year were excluded. Veterans who had any cardiovascular, cerebral vascular, or renal diagnosis during the baseline period were also excluded so that we attempted to have a primary prevention population. The one-year baseline period was used to allow accrual of comorbidities and laboratory values to de further define the patient phenotypes. Thank you, Mark. As I guess would be expected when using a VA database, your patient population, not surprisingly, was 94 to 96% male. Do you feel in any way that that creates challenges to extrapolating the findings to female patients? And if not, please explain why. This is an important question, and I do not have the exact answer based on our data. We did examine three event categories separately from the major outcome variables, and those were associated with, associated with persons that were less than 65 years of age, gender, male or female, and race, Caucasian versus non-Caucasian. There was a statistical reduction in event rates for both genders. There's a paucity of data of non-steroidal beneficial and adverse effects based on gender. However, men do experience more frequent, serious gastrointestinal adverse effects than women. The 2005 nor the 2015 FDA boxed warning statements on cardiovascular, renal, or cardiovascular adverse events does not state gender differences. This may be because of lack of research in this area or because the FDA could not determine gender differences. Smaller studies of ibuprofen, naproxen, and diclofenac use have not shown pharmacokinetic or pharmacodynamic significant differences. So at this point, to answer your question, I think further studies are needed in this area to definitively answer the question you've put forward. Thank you, Mark. Your primary outcomes included both fatal and non-fatal cardiovascular adverse events, renal adverse events, and all-cause mortality. Please tell our listeners why you selected the outcomes that you did for your study 
and describe the overall findings of your data. The primary outcomes were selected based on non-steroidal induced adverse outcomes, which had been published in the literature prior to the methodology development of our study. These included acute myocardial infarction, cerebral vascular adverse events, acute cerebral vascular disease, occlusion or stenosis of cerebral arteries, other and ill-defined cerebral vascular disease, or transient cerebral ischemia. We also looked at renal adverse events and acute unspecified renal failure and all-cause mortality. Death was identified using the Veterans Hospital Administration Vital Status File with the Social Security Administration Death Master File and upon notification from the VA hospital, cemetery, relative or acquaintance, the veteran who reports a veteran's death. The most prescribed non-steroidals were diclofenac and ibuprofen. Mean follow-up for this study was approximately 35.2 months. Combination of non-steroidal plus misoprostol 400 micrograms given as a 200 microgram BID dosage significantly lowered the cardiovascular event rates by a relative risk of 44%, cerebral vascular event rate by 26%, and 33% for renal events. All-cause mortality was not statistically significantly different by the Cox regression method. Thanks again, Mark, for that description of your data and the rationale for why you chose the outcomes you did. As you just alluded to, in your study, you identified various types of NSAID use with 83% of the use coming from acetic acid derivatives like diclofenac and ibuprofen, and 11% coming from propionic acid derivatives, including naproxen. Based on the majority of patient exposure in your study to acetic acid derivatives, do you feel your findings are more relevant to patients on those type of NSAIDs? And if not, why not? Another quality question, John. Um, we do not know whether the results of our study can be extrapolated beyond the acetic acid derivatives of diclofenac and ibuprofen since those were the most commonly used non-steroidals in the VA system during our study timeframe. Because ibuprofen is the most frequently prescribed non-steroidals, our results do have wide applicability though to the use of ibuprofen. Thank you again, Mark. Another Interesting question, I think, is in your proposed mechanism for the benefit of misoprostol. In your paper, you and your co-authors discuss the possible mechanism of how and why restoration of prostanoid balance may be beneficial to patients on long-term NSAID therapy. Could you please elaborate on this concept for our audience? Certainly. We discussed the potential for the use of non-steroids with misoprostol to restore prostanoid balance by providing a synthetic source of prostacycline. In a separate study published in Pharmacotherapy in 2008, we called this a proof of concept study. Salt-sensitive elderly persons received a combination of diclofenac 75 milligrams, either alone or with misoprostol 200 micrograms BID for 14 days. The combination attenuated the blood pressure elevation and renal vasoconstrictive effects of diclofenac. We believe based on this data, the addition of a synthetic dose of prostacycline contributes both systemically and potentially at the local level to reducing the risk of non-steroidal induced cardiorenal adverse events. Thank you, Mark. Your intention to treat analysis did not account for the treatment duration or intensity of therapy. 
can you please share with our listeners why in your study this was not felt to be a major limitation to the interpretation of the results? Another very good question. When we examined this limitation, which we stated in our paper, there are only four participants of our study population that added misoprostol during the follow-up period, which is only 2.13% of the total population. So the overwhelming majority of participants were enrolled in the study for five years. For intensity of treatment, each participant had to have three consecutive fills of 30-day dispensing or two 90-day fills. We only allowed a seven-day gap for filling to account for the late fills. Furthermore, we carefully included 20 covariates that represented cardiovascular and renal disease severity, which may have confounded our exposure and outcomes and controlled for those variables. Thank you, Mark. My last question for you today on this podcast is based on your study, do you feel that clinicians, clinical pharmacists should be using or recommending more misoprostol, either as a fixed dose combination with an NSAID or as an add-on drug in high-risk patients that have no alternative to long-term NSAID therapy? Another great question. There's a need to design and execute clinical studies now to confirm our early work in this area. The work to date shows that the addition of misoprostol to non-steroidal therapy in patients with underlying cardiovascular or renal disease or with multiple risk factors for these outcomes can reduce non-steroidal induced cardiorenal adverse outcomes. In patients that are experiencing documented benefit from non-steroidal therapy, independent of age, where there are limited alternatives for pain relief, misoprostol could be prescribed to potentially limit the non-steroidal cardiorenal outcomes. Thanks again, Mark. Dr. Munger, it's been my pleasure to talk with you about this fascinating work that you and your co-authors have done today on this podcast. And I would like to thank you for spending some time with us today to discuss your study and the role of misoprostol in patients on NSAIDs. Your data has the potential to positively impact a large population of patients Thank you to you and your co-authors for doing the work and sharing it with the readership of pharmacotherapy. Thank you.